Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Well, it's been crazy this past year already, huh? What day is it? Six days into the new year, and, and um, we've got craziness happening all around us. Um, I'm going to give you a... A fair warning right now to those watching and to those that are here. If you are on the fringes of religion, um, I'm probably going to offend you tonight. Uh, and I'm going to tell you really straight up tonight, if you are a Republican or Democrat, I am going to offend you tonight. If you are uh, upset or happy, I'm going to offend you tonight. Okay. I'm going to do everything God's asked me to do tonight. Because believe me, he has ran me over the coals. If you understand what that expression means, he has corrected me. He has shown me. He has directed me. And I'm not insecure enough to know. I am not the type of person that I doubt what God is telling me or what I'm supposed to do. And... And, but with that being said, we love Jesus and we love people. We love people. But we have to stay true to our assignment. So I'm going to start off, bear with me, be patient with me, and I'm going to give you some points because this is going to bring clarity tonight. I don't know who you are, what you are... Um, what you stand for, except that you stand for Jesus because you're either watching or you're here tonight. That one thing I do know. I believe with all of my heart you wouldn't be here tonight if you didn't love Jesus. So we have that in common. And in fact, I don't know of too many people that really don't love God um, if they've ever experienced God or had God touch them in their life. So it was before the elections happened and before... President Trump was elected and chosen to run for office. I was sitting in my living room with my children. We were watching the debates, the very first debates. And things then I thought were a little crazy. I had my eye on my horse, and it wasn't President Trump. And I don't laugh yet because I voted for him. Oh, now you're hating me now. I don't care. I don't care. Here's what I do care about, what God has told me throughout this duration of time. While I was sitting there in my living room with my family, the Lord spoke to me as President Trump, or Donald Trump at that time, was there. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that will be your next president. I told my children, I said, I know you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but... God just spoke to me and said, that's our next president. They laughed at me. Not all of them. And I left it alone. Throughout the years since he's been in office, I've chosen to pray for him like I would pray for every president that has been in office. Every one of them. And you have heard me step up here time and time again to tell you we need to pray for our president, no matter who he is. 
If you are a Christian, if you really are, I'm fixing to draw a big line in the sand, but I have to tell you in this introduction, because this is what you call a helicopter sermon, if you will. It's not really a sermon. This is a message. We're taking off straight from the landing pad. There is no runway. We're going to just go straight into it. And I have to tell you, if you really are a Christian, then you will stop vocalizing. Here's my opinion for what it's worth, because my opinions, I really get them from the Bible. And, and it says, talk evil of no man. And then it begins to say, pray for everyone that's in leadership, whether you agree with them or not, that there may be peace in your life. But if you are a true Christian, then you will stop vocalizing your hate for any candidate or any person on Facebook or any other social media or in public. Because as a Christian, every single one of us, whether you like them or not, we are called to be an example of Jesus. It's very tough for a lot of us right now, a lot of people. Very tough. So what I'm about to say tonight is going to rub politics and religion the wrong way, completely. Because after what God has been speaking to me and shown me and allowed me to see came through much brokenness and much prayer and humility in the sense of thinking that we as the church have it all figured out, but we do not have it all figured out. We do not. Politics was not Jesus's main enemy or opposition. It wasn't politics. It was religion. Religion was his greatest opposition, but yet God would use that to fulfill the will of God to give the lamb that was slain or was going to give his life for all of us. And so it played out perfectly according to God's will. When Jesus walked in this world, his original plan was to establish a kingdom and a kingdom that was tied to a different government. His whole purpose for us as the church, his original plan for the church, that's what we're talking about tonight, God's original plan. His original plan for us was to accept him as king and accept and receive his kingdom and then to lead lives that were in connection to those two truths. So before I am up here, I love the land that we live in. But before I am an American, I am a Christian and I am a citizen of God's kingdom first. With all due respect to our nation and every leader, my allegiance first goes to the Lamb of God. When Jesus walked in this world, he gave God, his Father, first place. It rubbed everybody, including his family, the wrong way. They couldn't understand it. When he told his mom and dad, uh, don't you know I must be about my father's business, he wasn't being sarcastic. He wasn't being, um, you know, just disrespectful. He was identifying his purpose at a very young age, but he was never intimidated. Let me give you a scripture, John 18 and 36. Jesus answered, to Pilate, my kingdom 
is not an earthly kingdom. Can you have that? Do you have that scripture? Throw that up there, please, if you have it. Stay with me tonight. My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. That is exactly what his mentality was. He was driven with the purpose of fulfilling the will of God in his life. He was born into this world to do the will of the Father and to establish the kingdom. How that coincides with you and I is this. You were born again to fulfill the same purpose, to walk as he walked, and to have the same mentality. To have the exact same mentality that Jesus did. Years ago, there was a movement that went around, and even it rose up again in the late 890s. It was WWJD, what would Jesus do? And it was, it was, it was very popular in churches and in, in, the, in the church world. Books were written about it, and it was a movement And because people caught on to what would Jesus do. But, but it faded out like everything else. What would Jesus do if he was here right now? That's the question you have to ask yourself. If what we have and who we are pertains to the world to come, then it should give us a reality check on how we should be behaving right now. I personally do not believe everything I see and half of what I hear. That's the way I was raised. Don't believe everything you hear and half of what you see is what I meant to say. And so I've learned throughout this duration of time that you really can't trust anybody but Jesus right now. That doesn't mean that we close our eyes, put our heads in the proverbial sand like the proverbial ostrich and say, I, I see no evil, I do no evil, I don't know what's going on, I'm just going to let the world pass me by. But what it really means is, is that the darker it gets, the more our purpose is known in the world and we see our responsibility. I'm going to give you some principles and some keys tonight. You're probably, uh, if you want to take notes, you can, because you do not want to forget this. And if you don't have paper and pen, you're, you're not going to want to, uh, you're going to want to go back, I'm telling you, because these are keys that are very relevant to get through this season and this year and what is fixing to take place. I do not fear persecution of the church. I have no fear of that. I have no fear of them trying to take our tax ID, exemption ID. I have no fear of that. I have no fear of someone showing up at my front door. And I know some of you don't either, but that is not my greatest fear. My greatest fear is, to, is this, is that the church that God has assigned me to becomes worldly and dry and don't really know who Jesus is. The, the fun before that is this, that my children don't believe in Jesus and never experienced Jesus, and we've missed it. 
If my family's not in order, I have no business up here talking to you about getting your life right with God. Just the bottom line, there is no hypocrisy here. But I want to clarify and say this, and I want you to understand this, that America is not the apple of God's eye. The apple of God's eye, according to Scripture, is the church. The apple of God's eye in this world is the church. I personally believe and I understand that you and I don't pray as much when everything is well. You and I do not fast as much unless everything is perfect. But when we have some pressure and when we have opposition, and when you read the Bible, anywhere God did anything miraculous, it was after God's people cried out, God's people prayed, someone paid a price, and there was always trouble. Always. We have not seen revival in America and will never see it. I, I want to say this. I have never spoken as a prophet, as an apostle, or as a leader of our nation ever tried to step into that category because God has kept me here in Victoria, and I'm responsible for this region right here, right now. But I'm going to speak it to us here today and simply say this. We will never see revival in America when everything is going well, ever. It will never happen. I don't care how many good musicians you get together. It doesn't matter how many prolific speakers you have and how well they, they are orators over the, over the crowd. It doesn't matter. You can get the best speakers, the best musicians, but until somebody is desperate and hungry and serious about seeking God and want to really see change and they have never been able to identify who the real problem is, they are never going to see God's hand solve it. Our problem in our circumstance now is not the government. The government is not our threat. I know that seems like a contradiction, but, but I got I to tell you that what matters to God most, according to the Scripture, according to the Scripture, when I look at it and I look and find out what really matters to God, it's this. Point number two. The driving force for Jesus and the apostles was the salvation of souls. Please put that point up there. Keep up with me, guys, tonight, okay? The driving force for Jesus and the apostles was the salvation of souls. That is what everything incumbents, it, it, it counted on. Jesus was here, and that's everything he was focused on. Nothing else. John chapter 10 Verse 10, the thief, the, thief, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, I want to explain life. Life 
in this portion of Scripture does not necessarily mean and reflect on materialism. It is not a reflection on the abundance of things that you have. It's on the abundance of the relationship that God has given you and the abundance of his resources, and you've been given permission to walk in this world and him meet your needs anywhere, anytime, any place. You have full access to God. But the most important thing to him is the condition of your soul. The condition of your soul is so much more important to God than, are you ready? The condition of your bank account. I'm going to go a step further. The condition of your credit. And I am not saying that those things aren't important for us because if you're a good steward, they'll be okay. They'll be good. But more important than that, God is more concerned about the salvation of your soul because while we're working hard, thank you, Holy Ghost, while we are working so hard for things, our families are going to hell. And we are not praying for them. We are not reaching out to them. We are not interceding for them. There is a very strong movement right now in America that says there is no hell, only heaven. Jesus paid the price so we can live like we want to. But I'm going to tell you, if there is no hell, then why did Jesus go through what he went through? And why did he come back and establish a new covenant with the blood and said, if you fall... Ask for forgiveness, and I'll cleanse you from your sin. And then we come to a place of accountability. So I said that to say this, that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. I don't care what Bible you read. I don't, do not care tonight where your theology is on, on, on the inclusiveness of the gospel. I don't care what the Bible says is all that matters to us. And we feel an urgency in our heart more than ever before to reach out to the lost and find our purpose in God. And try to help us realize, Jesus, that we have come and we are born again for one purpose. To seek and to save those that are lost in this world. Everything encompasses around salvation. Seeing lives changed. For years, God has had me looking at churches across the nation, across the world. For years, I couldn't understand why God has had me watching certain prophets and apostles and pastors and teachers. I've been looking at other churches that have been through areas of persecution where the government does not like Christians, where the government is trying to prison pastors, trying to put them into prison and do away with them. I have been watching them for years, and I've seen them over the years as they come together and learn how to pray and not ever feel inferior to whatever anyone else says or what they do. I have seen God raise up churches across the sea. I have seen God raise up a powerful force and watch churches learn how to walk in a whole new dimension of the kingdom of God. 
I've seen prophets and apostles and people who started to take this thing serious and started to pray for their nation and watch revival break out like never before. I'm just asking you here tonight, do you feel the urgency to follow after Jesus and to see your family saved and to see your city turned around for him and that it start right here, right where we live, right where we're at? I mean, you want to go to revival someplace else, go right ahead, but God wants to do something here in this church with your family, with your cousins, with your nephews, with your grandma, with your grandpa, with your mama, with your daddy, everybody. Somebody say, Jesus, do it tonight. Do it tonight, Lord. And so when you read the Bible, you look at the apostles when they went through persecution by the religious people. The religious people backed up the government. The government, any time the government would take in a Christian, they would question them because they had to be convinced. And they made their decisions based on the people, based on their opinions. Whatever the people wanted is how they made their decisions. But if you really want to know the mindset of the apostles and what they carried out, you have to look at what Jesus taught them and what Jesus actually did. Jesus taught them. Jesus told them, this is your purpose. This is why you're here. And whenever you read the Bible, you'll find out that they were thrown into prison. But the church, make note of this. When the apostles were thrown into prison, they did not stand outside the prison with picket signs. They did not make flyers going house to house and do a march. When I do this, you better watch out. I got chills, man. The scripture says that the church began to pray when Peter was in prison. And when Peter was in prison, the angel of God came in and opened up the doors. He went to the first ward, the second ward. It wasn't until he got to the third ward that he realized this isn't a dream. This isn't a vision. This is really happening. And he showed up at the house of Rhoda and where they were holding a prayer meeting. He knocks on the door. Rhoda opens it up. She sees him. She thinks it's an angel. She closes the door back up. She goes back and she tells him, Peter's at the door. When he opens up the door, they celebrate, they rejoice, but it wasn't politics that got him out. It was the power of God that got him out. I'm going to say something very strong right now, and I want you to grab a hold of it. Point number three, God's original plan for the church was never to worship a man or a worldly government. That word worship, uh, they misspelled it again. It's okay to worship a man, not on a man. But anyhow, <laughs> depend or trust is what worship really is. 
depend or trust. Depend or trust. I'm going to say it one more time so you get it. Worship is who you depend on and who you trust in, and your actions will follow your your ideas, your your philosophy, your, your, your faith. The original plan was never to put faith for in our government at all. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. And until we get that realization, and until we begin to pray like it, and fast like it, and read the word like it really is our instruction and guideline to walking in the presence of God, and until I'm going to say something right now, put your seatbelts on, I'm going to just hit you right between the eyes, okay? And I'm, I do it because I love you, but I'm going to have to do it anyways. Uh, for every man in this church, you better get the right content on that computer or iPhone right because it is stealing your relationship with God and your family. And we have got to make sure that men in this church are strong. Men are people, and men in this church know how to pray, know how to worship, know how to cry, know how to hold on to the horns of the altar, know how to hold on. Are you ready? That men are filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues, and they're not afraid to be called spirit-filled or fanatical or crazy. We need a group of men that are on fire for God, who have an unction in their spirit, who aren't afraid to lift up their hands to Jesus in public, who aren't afraid to bow down their head in restaurants and thank God for their food who aren't afraid to walk on the job and not give in to all the perverseness that's there but men that know how to walk with the Lord who aren't afraid of the devil who aren't afraid of politics who aren't afraid of what's politically correct but that will stand out as a stone that's built upon the rock and we know who our Savior is all the men clap your hands if you understand what I'm telling you here. 2021 has to be year, a year for the men to step up, to step up and not let your wives. 606 King Arthur is my address if you have a problem with this. It's time for men to stand up and stop letting your wives lead you spiritually. Men need to be the spiritual leaders of every home, not because of a a gender issue. I don't care if you can misread into this, but it is God's divine order according to Scripture that a man should lay down his life as Jesus laid down his for the church to love his wife just like he did and to cover them and to pray and to fight against every devil that wants to steal your children out of their innocence, out of their their, their safety, out of the haven. We need men to stand up and start worshiping. We need men to get here early on Sundays. We need men to start serving and greeting at the front doors instead of just having women all the time. We need men. I don't know how you were, but when I got saved, I was mopping the floors at church. I was vacuuming the floors in the sanctuary. I was scrubbing the floors in church because God saved me, and I did what women did because I wasn't ashamed. I'm just saying tonight, where are the men in our church?
I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just telling you. The problem we are facing in America is not even the churches. Sorry, baby. It's not. Now watch this. It's not the churches necessarily. It's the families, the leaders. No men leading I love my wife. I love my wife to death. But I was the one that spanked them kids. She took off the dirty diapers and took care of that for me. Thank God I have a weak stomach. That's just the truth. I wiped my son's behind one time, took him outside, hold him upside down, and put a water hose on him. Sass, done. Thank you, Lord. Give me the powder. The reason why there has been a breach in the church is because men have been absent from church and the presence of God. There's an ego and pride in the world right now that says, we don't need a pastor, we don't need a church, we just believe in Jesus, and I don't have to go nowhere. I talk to people all the time, and they always tell me when I ask them, where do you go to church? Oh, I go here, I go there, I go this. My first thought in my mind is you need to submit to somebody, not because they want to control you or whatever. It's because everybody needs to be accountable to somebody, and you need somebody to understand and help you teach and help you understand about spiritual authority. I know that sounds old school, but no one wants to talk about this anymore. And we're violating the very essence and the principles of the government of God, which is the most important entity in this world. And we miss out on our blessings because we are not properly aligned. Hmm. Why do you think Daniel, one man, everyone say one man, an entire government and kingdom was against Three men and one Daniel, but Daniel stood by himself. One man said, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. And when one man sought his government that was from another world, God sent an ambassador and said, Daniel, the Lord heard you on the first day you started to pray. But we have been in warfare for you, and we have fought against the prince of Persia. But I want you to know that you're going to win. We are doing this wrong. We have been doing it wrong. The last point, or actually, second to the last. Time for us to return to him and recognize our true government. I, I felt so convicted in my life. I've always believed in the gifts. I've always believed in the power of God. But while you're growing a church, you have to learn how to get the others to catch up with those that have been seasoned in his presence for a while and you start dealing with growing, growing pains and, and, and you have to be able to feed mature sheep and then the baby lambs that come in and then you have to realize that we got a huge responsibility. 
But, but, but when I read the Bible, it was the miracle signs and wonders that was the marketing factor for the church. And they came from afar to see Jesus, uh, sometimes for the fishes and the loaves. But they knew that Jesus was the answer. They knew that he could heal them. They knew that he had the words to eternal life. They knew that they could, he could open up blind eyes. They knew that he could make the lame walk again. They knew that he could raise the dead back to life. They came to Jesus because of the authority that he carried out from his government. He had been given authority from heaven to exercise that authority. This year, my prayer, every single day would be this. Number one, that God would wake us up as a church family, deal with us together in our dreams. And I'm going to tell you something. Here's how it works for me. If you give and you serve in this church, that's how I know whose heart's in this church. That's where I get my prayer list from. I always ask them, give me the list of the givers, not because I want to know who gives. I can care less about your giving, but that's the only way I know who you are sometimes because we're growing. And then I want to know who's serving in case they, we miss it. Then I'll go from that prayer list, not on who the bigger giver is. I'm going to tell you who the biggest giver in this church is. It's the one that has the least and still faithful. I don't care how much you give. I'm just being honest with you. Because you give a large amount in this church does not mean you have special privileges. Nobody. This isn't that kind of a church. Just want to make that clear real quickly. I know we're doing some cornbread preaching tonight, but I just got to let you know that things are different here. This is a kingdom church. But I'm going to be praying every day for you. Every day. That the Spirit of God, that if you've not been baptized in the Spirit, that you will receive it this year. If you've not been saved, that you will make up your mind this year that you're going to cross on over and you're going to decide in your mind that this is it. This is what I'm going to do. That you're water baptized, but not just that, but that the gift of God would be stirred up inside of you and that you would find your prayer life and that you would tap into the presence of God and that fasting would grab a hold of you and that the word of God would be your delight day and night and that you would plant yourself by the rivers of water and that you start producing fruit in your life and whatever season comes around, the devil can't stop it, the government can't stop it, your, your, your local politicians can't stop it because what God has blessed no one can curse and whenever you are moving forward in the presence of God you are building momentum you are building a force that's unstoppable when you're in the will of God but it all pertains to souls being saved all of it my wife had heard from God despite the hiccup you had or whatever it was that happened to you there when you preach it I don't know what that was, but anyhow, God spoke to her and said, unless we start reaching souls, we won't find our purpose and we won't be in his will. That's a fact. You can study that Bible. You read your Bible and you found out, find out why Jesus came. To seek and to save the lost tribe, but then the lost tribe didn't accept it, so he went to the Gentile nation. 
to a people who didn't know him. And here you and I are today, grafted in, is what the scripture says, to this eternal hope and salvation. This is why I am stirred up tonight, because we have missed it. Now I'm going to drop the mother of all bombs on you right now. While everyone in America was picketing, starting caravans, I'm, I don't think I was a part of one, but anyhow, I don't know. Anyhow, while we were blasting everyone on Facebook, satanic churches were being built in America. Doctrine of devils were introduced at different levels from our education system up the way up to our government. I want to show you something. CNN, this slide right here, CNN not too long ago posted this. The Satanic Temple is offering devil advocate scholarships. Now, if this is fake to all of my fact checkers, please check it. But I saw it, I tried to define it and look at it, I read it, saw the person who wrote it, and I did a little bit more research and pretty sure this is true. But I read the article and the article said that people misunderstand satanic worship, that they don't worship Satan, they worship themselves. I had heard this, which is a lie, but which I have heard this before. Years ago, over 20 years ago, 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, maybe even 25, boy, time flies. I heard an interview, and I've said this many times with James Dobson. Dr. James Dobson was interviewing a guy who was a rock star by the name of, I think, Marilyn Manson. And, and, and he said he, he was a Satanist. And he said, people misunderstand Satanic worship. It's not, the really, it's not all about worshiping Satan more than it is yourself. There is a scripture, and I looked up in the Satanic Bible. I don't have one. I looked it up, and it said there's a scripture in there, and they call it scripture, just like they're called their churches, churches, that said, do as thou wilt. In other words, do whatever you want to do. That's why we fast to kill the flesh. Because the idols in our life are our own desires. What burns me up is that the media and people have embraced the thought of religion as being a choice of salvation where we are all equal. There's a second picture here. They, they, their whole concept was we need to help other people. This is a satanic church and of worship. As of right now, I read that there are over 20 chapters of satanic churches in America, across America, over 20. There's over 20 of them. In Alabama, there was a big controversy 
I've got the little brochure, I've got the little print off from right here. The Satanic Temple threatens to lawsuit if In God We Trust appears on the new Mississippi flag. July 8th, 2020. We missed it. We missed it. While we were praying and calling out the names of politicians, we missed the real source. We should have been warring in the spirit against satanic powers. I wasn't raised in church, and I loved fighting. I still love fighting, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I, I do. It's in my nature. I'm not afraid. I just I don't know if that I don't know what that is. It's just crazy, right? Just little short guy. I don't care who you are. But the thing is, it's is that now God has changed me. God has worked in my heart, and and He has redirected that mentality towards prayer. And, and now I have learned how to be aggressive and love God at the same time, but realized who the real enemy is. And when it comes to a battle, I always, in the back of my mind, I have been taught because I have read it and I have seen it that the battle does not belong to me. The battle belongs to the Lord. So like a spoiled child that knows I'm going to win the battle, I face opposition and I get bolder and stronger when my faith is in Jesus because when I look at Jesus, there was never a devil that defeated him. There was never a disease that stopped him. There was never an economic status in any country that slowed him down. When Jesus needed money, he said, go to the fish, get the money out of the fish's mouth. I mean, nothing could stop Jesus. But Jesus did not look at people unless they had hypocrisy, and he called them out for what they were. That's why Jesus disliked the lifestyle and character of the religious world, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He called them hypocrites. But did you notice that Jesus never called the sinners hypocrites? He never called the sinners hypocrites. Because they weren't trying to be something that they weren't. That's why he hung out with them, because they weren't hypocrites, okay? So what I'm trying to tell you is, is that Jesus knew who the real enemy was. And when the religious world saw him hanging out with people like that, they took and marked him and said he's not from God. If he was from God, he would have never let that lady touch his feet, And Judas said, if that money was given to the poor, we could have made a big difference. And it follows after that, one of the disciples wrote, but he said that only because he was a thief. And Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this. But isn't it ironic how when Judas came to Jesus, he kissed him on the cheek, and Jesus said, betrays me with the kiss Friend, why did Jesus do that? I'm going to tell you why. Because Jesus knew people aren't the real enemy. Jesus knew that there was another dark government, another dark alliance in this world that was behind that motive. 
And so he faced it like that. He loved people, but he went to battle and won every time against the darkness in his world. Case in point, he went down to hell and took back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. So he knew how to fight and who the enemy was. This year, the church has to wisely choose its battles and know exactly where the opposition is, but it has to start in this region, in this church. I do not know exactly how 2021 is going to look, but I do know that this year we're focusing on prayer like never before. This year, we're going to direct that and teach how to face these things and teach these things as we go along in the year. And if you have been here for any amount of time, we have taught and we have learned and we have understood a lot of these principles. But during all the drama that we've been facing in our world, we as a church have got sidetracked and we have missed the mark by not recognizing the dark forces behind every evil that we see. It isn't until we begin to recognize why Jesus was even here. Isaiah chapter 9, and this is the last scripture I'm going to give you. Isaiah chapter 9. Are you okay tonight? Is this okay? Well, it's got to be okay because I know God gave it to me to give to you, but, but are you understanding what I'm saying tonight? That's the main thing. I want to convey this to you with understanding. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For a child is born to us, a son is given. The government, everyone say the government. The government will rest upon his shoulders. That means that we need to accept the birth of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ, the burial of Christ, and everything concerning the resurrection in equivalency to the government of Christ. We have complete faith in the cross and our baptism, our burial, and in the resurrection, the power of God. But this year, we must begin to connect the government of God and let the government of God speak for us this year. The government of God is the authority and the direction and the clearance and the permission from heaven that backs us to fulfill his will. It's about souls this year and going into dark places and watching people. Now I'm going to say something that may make some of you feel uncomfortable. But this year, I want to cast out more demons. If you have never cast a demon out, you don't have a prayer life. I'm just telling you right now. You cannot, you cannot attack or deal with something when you're addicted to the same stuff. Only people that live the life know how to face opposition and call it out and make it disappear out of someone's life. I, I'm a, people already know that we're crazy here. I can care less what other pastors in this church think. I can care less what other churches think. I don't care. We need to see people delivered from their addictions in this church. 
We need to see alcoholics not go through a 12-step program. Those are okay, but we need to see an instant deliverance in people's lives. We need to see healings, and we have had many healings. The difference between us and other churches is that we have taught and we do believe that healings take place without anybody having to lay hands on you. Now, the scripture says, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's a biblical principle. It is. The Bible called us to go heal somebody, not to pray for healing. Anyways, that's another whole lesson, but I'm telling you, you carry the authority because the great physician is inside of you. And when you command that healing to come out, then it takes place. But when people get together and worship, the body of Christ comes together and people receive their miracles. People begin to feel better. We had a man that was right over there, one church service, that raised his hands and God instantly healed him of tumors in his lungs. And God healed him and we saw it. We've seen people healed in this church that had broken limbs. And God caused them to walk in limping, but he caused them to walk out dancing. And we've seen it before. We're no stranger to that kind of stuff, but we got to see more of that this year. I believe with all of my heart that we need to be organized. We have organization. Our staff keeps us very organized and structured, but this is the year for us to walk in dominion and walk in authority and walk in. Did you know for the last two Sundays, uh, three Sundays, two Sundays, We've had someone in church receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking with tongues without anybody touching them. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. I've cast demons out of people and I've had them show up in my home the next day trying to harass me but I broke through that level. And there are certain spirits that don't mess with me no more. You've got to graduate sometime, and we have to grow up at some time and learn how to pray in the Spirit and be consistent if you're going to walk in the liberty and the freedom to see other people's lives change. The will of God for your life is, number one, for you to go to heaven, but number two, to bring your whole family with you and then your friends with you and your co-workers with you and people with you. We need to, and I'm going to tell you something. The Spirit of God told me, and I feel this so strong, and I've been saying this, for some time now. The day is coming where people aren't going to be looking for religious churches just to feel good and have good music. The people of this nation and this city are going to start looking towards the churches that have the manifestation of the healing of God, the deliverance of God, the power of God, the miracles of God, and they're going to come from all over because they know where it really is. They know where it is. it resides. They understand that there's authority and power there. They're going to say, I know they're crazy. I know they look different. I know they worship different. But when you go there, you get set free from your addictions. When you go there, you get healed from your diseases. When you go there, you get set free from your depression. You can do much, much more.
Here is the last thing God told me to give to you, and you can take that however you want to. I believe God's been dealing with me about this. The last point is this. This year you must put God first and get out of debt. Don't lose the worship right now when I start talking about money. Don't lose it. When God prospers you this year, focus on getting out of debt. You must. Pray God will help you. The reason is because I'm going to say something to you and and I'm going to let you go home and research it yourself. But did you know that when you're in debt to someone that you're a slave to the lender? And did you know that there's only one person you need to be a slave to and that's Jesus Christ? And as long as that taskmaster has control of your life, every decision that you make is governed by your lack and your debt. But when you've been set free and you have worked hard and your stewardship is in place and you have put God first as he prospers you and your prayer life goes up, see, as your soul prospers, God prospers you all around. It is not for you to have a big home, uh, 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 you know, fancy cars and all that. That's not the point. The point is, is for you to have freedom financially to do the will of God in your life so you don't have to worry about where the money's going to come from and you're not distressed when you come to church and think, Oh, man, if God's for real, why am I in debt? I'll tell you why you're in debt. You're in debt because you have uncontrolled appetites that are there. It's not God's problem. God doesn't want you to be financially imprisoned. He wants you to be financially free. Why? Because he said if you can't handle mammon or money, how can he entrust you with the real spiritual gifts? It isn't God's will for us. We're going to have to pray this. We will pray it over this church throughout the entire year. God, make this church debt-free so we can begin to pour out a blessing on the widows, take care of the fatherless, pay off medical bills for other people. I'm going to tell you, I'm asking God to help us pay off cars, help us pay off houses. You think that's crazy? Nothing's impossible for God to do. When we all come together and do what God's called us to do, there's going to be miracles come out of this church. There's going to be miracles come out of this church. I prophesy it. I prophesy it right now. I prophesy over your finances. I prophesy over your wisdom of stewardship. I prophesy over you, you will pray for people. You will see the the demonic oppressed delivered. You will see a radical change in your family. You're going to experience breakthrough in your life for your family. Come on, somebody. Lift up your hands and give him some praise. Come on, somebody. Just release it in this atmosphere. Somebody give him some worship. This is how I fight my battles. Thank you, Father. This is how I fight this my battles. This is a year battles. of realignment with Him to become the church we've been called to be. We can't be ashamed to be who we are. We must be the church. We must be the church. So what if they call us crazy? Let's be emphatically in love with Jesus. Somebody give Him some praise. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. 
For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.